This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. I love you today. I'm so glad that you came to church. I'm glad that you decided to make uh, Relevant Life Church part of your day. Uh, More importantly, I'm glad that you made God part of your day, that you made fellowship and community part of your day. If you're brand new with us today, we would love for you to fill out a connection card. Uh, There's one in the chair back right in front of you. If you're more electronic, if you would take a picture of that QR code, you can also do it that way electronically. We want to know you better. We want to get to know you better. You may not really want to get to know us better, but hey, uh, after you sit in the service today, but we really would like to make you feel welcome. And if if you take that card, whether it's a screenshot, if you do electronically, or your card back to the welcome booth back there, they will give you a gift, and uh, we would love to to be able to welcome you in that way. I want to remind you that if you've been part of Connect Groups, there is no Connect Group this Wednesday night. This is a week off. It'll begin again next Wednesday. Uh, this week is YA night at South Campus, and you don't want to miss that uh, if you're in that age group. So that's just some perfunctories just so you, rem- so you remember. Uh, I mean, if you show up at our house, we may be there, may not be there. So, uh, I mean, you can stand on the doorstep. Um, if you're there, we might invite you in to watch TV. Who knows? Whatever it is. But... Uh, anyway, we will make room for you. There we go. Uh, we've been in a series of, what is it? Good. What is it? Make room. We just sang a song about it, this importance of making room. We've been in a five-week series and dialoguing this. And the prayer that we've been praying is, God, would you disrupt our lives? Well, maybe some of you have been praying. I don't know if everyone's been praying it. But how many have noticed that God does interruptions in our lives, that God brings things into our lives? And they're oftentimes uh, not comfortable. There are things that stretch us. There are things that, that expand our lives to a degree. And uh, I, I want to pray one, I don't want to say one more time in 2024, but one more time with this series. Would you, if you're in this room today, would you, and you're willing for the Holy Spirit to do something in your life, to disrupt your comfort, would you just lift your hands to heaven as we pray? Heavenly Father, today we thank you that you are a God that loves us so much that you don't want to leave us the way that we are. And God, I pray that you would disrupt our comfort, disrupt every form of religion in our life, every form of understanding or, or, or compromise or whatever it is. God, would you make us so uncomfortable that we, have, that we have to make room for you? God, would you just disrupt all those things? Help us to, to see you in a new light in 2024. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love brand new years, as you've heard. It's a year of possibilities, a year of anticipating what God can do and what God will do. And I think many times we under, how many have under, ever undersold God? You're kind of like going, well, God, I think you can, but in reality going, God, I know you can. And I think that that's when we look at 2024, we need to go, this is a year of possibilities, not just a possibilities that God could, but how many know that God will if we believe him? And that's what I really want you to lean into. This idea of making room is to move aside or to clear out or to create space for something. And it's an intentional action. It's something that you have to do to deliberately make a move to go, I'm going to remove certain things. Just like you have to go through your house and declare and take it to goodwill or throw it in the garbage. You have to spiritually go through your life and go, I'm going to declutter these things. These things are, are uh, keeping me from, from my best, best effectiveness. They bring disorder. They bring chaos. I wanted to kind of just review really quickly where we have been. Ever, turn to your neighbor and say, where have we been? Uh, Today, we started back at the beginning of January that God is doing a new thing. And the question is, is do you perceive it? Are you aware of the new thing? Are you aware that God is up to something? And I think that many times we fail in perceiving. Uh, the next, next week we talked about enlarging the place of your tent and it comes back to a, a question that we have to ask ourselves of are we preparing for this enlargement? Are we clearing a space that our tent can actually be stretched? And then last week we talked about stretching the tent capacity and that really comes back to are you making room for God? Are you making room for people? Are you making room for more of what God has in your life? And then out of order we preached lengthen, Pastor Trenton did, and he had lengthening your cords. Are you reaching for your purpose? stretching from the tent, the capacity, to the peg. Are you reaching for this purpose that God has for you? And then today we're going to be talking about strengthen, strengthen the stakes. Uh, are you willing to go deeper? Are you willing to go deeper? Ask your, ask your neighbor, are you, going, are you going to go deeper? 
I think of this idea of strength. How many have ever discovered in your body strength that has failed? That you've been limited by something that you used to be able to do and you're no longer able to do? Have, have you ever, you know, I mean, as, as you get older, some of those things happen. Even as you're younger, you think you can do it and you can't. How many have ever earned, injured yourself because of trying to do something that you should not have done? Okay. I think of a personal story in my own life. A few years back out hunting uh, and hiking, we were in a brand new area and uh, went into the part, of the part of the forest that was rather calm and nice. And it's like, oh, this is gonna be great. The further we got in, the worse it got. The more tree fall was there and the more ravines. I mean, we were just like walking through what I called hell at that moment. <laughs> I mean, if, if, I, if I could imagine hell, it probably was worse than that, but if I could imagine hell at that moment, it was these, the tree fall and having to climb over. And how many know that as you're climbing over trees that are, that are up to your knees or higher, your legs get tired, you know, you're just like exhausted. And we got to the end of that hike and, uh, or got towards the end of that hike and we could see where we needed to climb out. But between there, between where we were and there were several ravines. And they weren't like just little slopes, they were ravines that you had to claw yourself up. And I remember as we were walking, I have a backpack on, my hunting pack, I got a bow in one hand, and I don't have, an, I don't have the ability to take out a walking stick, I'm trying to grab hold of branches to pull myself up. And I remember feeling extremely tired after the first time, and then the second time I'm like going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And by the time I got to the fourth ravine to get to the top of this thing up here, I'm like going, I'm just gonna lay down and die. <laughs> Honey, I love you. Kids, I love you, but I I'm done, you know, I'm done. And what it was is I came back to leg strength, that process of climbing and sliding backwards, climbing and sliding backwards and making six inch, six inch progress, but it took forever. And I realized uh, at that age that I used to be able to do things like that and it never bothered me. And I realized that I had lost leg strength. I realized that when I came back from that and I'm on the floor playing with my grandkids and having to get up off the floor, I'm like going, what has happened to me? I'm old. <laughs> I came to a personal decision that I was going to begin to do resistance training. I began to do process. And I can tell you that I have recuperated in my leg strength. I've got a lot of, uh, probably not what I was at 20, but I'm better than I was two years ago. That process of strengthening something. When I think of the idea or an illustration of strength, I think of an oak tree. Look up here at this picture of this, uh, this oak tree. Uh, this, this picture is an, a picture of a particular oak tree, Seven Sisters Oak in Louisiana. It's said to be about 1,500 years old. The circumference of that, that trunk is 38 feet. It says that it's over 100 feet tall. When you think about the strength of an oak tree and what it represents, the key characteristics of an oak tree that make an oak tree so strong is that it can withstand incredibly strong storms, tornadoes, and hurricanes. What it does, what, 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 with the key characteristics, number one, it has a deep root system. Perhaps the most interesting fact about the oak tree is that their root systems will grow to almost mirror their height, pushing down as deep as they are tall, as wide, as their branches go out. So when you think about this oak tree being over 100 feet tall, can you imagine that the root system of that tree has gone down? Not just is it going to the circumference of the, of, of, of the trunk, it's going to the limit of the branches. This root system that is so dynamic. Not only does it have a strong root system, it has a, it's a strong, durable wood. Oak trees produce a hard and a dense wood that is resistant to decay and rot. Oak wood is selected for its strength and its endurance. It's selected, it's, it's used to build, to build furniture, uh, timber frame buildings. It's used uh, to, to be on flooring. It's extremely strong and dense. Another characteristics of, characteristic of an oak tree is that it has extremely thick bark. Oak trees have a thick, rough bark that helps to protect them from damage caused by insects, disease, and environmental stresses. 
When we think about what is it that gives this tree strength, what is it that gives this, this tree longevity, there's factors that God put in it to create a safety about it, to give it durability, to make it last. Today I want to tackle this last word, strengthen. Today I want to tackle this idea of strengthening our lives. To strengthen is to become stronger or more robust. To increase the strength of. To grow, another, another idea is to grow in courage and conviction. And I like this last one, to take hold of and in the sense of to not let go. When we think about this idea of strengthening, we have to come back and go, am I strengthening my life? What am I holding on to that keeps me secure? Am I growing more robust? Am I increasing in my courage and in my conviction? When we begin to think about this idea of strengthening, it's not just a physical strength. There's an emotional strength. How many realize that there's an emotional strength that goes along with that? There's a mental strength that goes along with that. There is a spiritual strength that goes along with that. So when we think about this concept of strengthening, we're not just talking about a bodybuilder. We're not just talking about physical strength. We're talking about strengthening you as an individual, this, this capacity of who you are. Isaiah 54, one through three, as we've read it, it says, sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Verse two, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. I like this translation. The Berean Standard Bible says this. If you read it along with me, uh, go to the next one there. Right there. Go ahead and read this one with me. Ready? One, two, three. Enlarge the sight of your tent. Stretch out your curtains of your dwelling. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your stakes deep. Let's say this one more time, drive your stakes in deep. I like the way that that phrases that, that concept. If you've, how, how many have ever stayed in a tent? How many have ever been out in a tent? How many have ever been in a tent when the wind is blowing? There's a storm out there. Can I tell you, uh, the, those of you who have spent a, a night in a tent uh, and the storming outside are gonna be very thankful that you've placed your stakes appropriately in the middle of the night. If you haven't, you're gonna be out in the middle of the night with a flashlight trying to figure out how do I stretch out my tent? How do I keep it stable? This concept of a, of, of a, of a tent. So we go to, let's go to this picture here. We can see uh, this tent that's here and we can see the guy lines that Pastor Trenton talked about and lengthening the guy lines. We see our stakes right here, the white, the, the brown part. The, the, the guy line goes from the tenth tent to the stake. And what we have to realize is that the, 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 the stake is what actually gives your tent the strength to endure. It's actually what holds your tent in stability. We can see different types of stakes today in this picture, multi-different uh, ideas here. Uh, we can see the fabricated ones on this side. If you've ever used the yellow ones, they're kind of pain in the rear. Hard soil, you're trying to go. It's just easier to pound something in, right? Uh, but if you're looking at what we're talking about in a similarity of what we're talking about in Bible times, we're talking about a tree limb that usually was two to three inches in diameter that they would sharpen a point. This, this, this stake was probably about 20 to 30 inches long that they would drive into the ground, that it was part of the stability because they're not talking about light fabric tents like you and I have today. We're talking, remember, goat skin fabric. We're talking about how they're draped over. This was a dwelling place. It's not just a structure that is mobile, even though it was mobile, but it was something that was there uh, that, that lasted longer. They would sharpen it, they'd pound it into the ground and would hold this tent in place. The, the cords would come from the edge and would tie around that stake that was connected to, this, to the tent and they would keep the shape of that tent. Today, when we think about our tents, we're so blessed that we have these bendable poles inside that actually a tent would stand on its own pretty much, except if you've ever been caught in a wind, you're gonna notice that, it's, that it, it needs to be fastened, right? It's gonna have to be, be fastened down by stakes. 
As a tent was expanded, it would be far more susceptible to the elements and to the wind. So when we're talking about this concept of enlarging your tent, stretching out your fabric, the bigger you got, the more wind resistance you were gonna have. The more important it was that you would have the stability from the stakes. The size of your tent would determine the number and the depth of your stakes. Stakes uh, would make the tent immovable. A tent's stability relies on the strong stakes and the guy lines that are attached to it. When we think about the symbolism that Isaiah is talking about, he's saying the stake is a symbol of anchoring and stability. So when we think about our lives, what is it that anchors us and what is it that holds us stable? What is it that keeps us from, from toppling or spinning away in the, in the wind? And I ask you today, what is it in your life that's holding you stable? What is it in your life that keeps you steady? What is it that you can identify, you can come back and go, well, I have friends. How many know that we have, I love friends and I love people in my life, but how many know that friends are not gonna be the ones that are gonna hold you steady completely through every situation? You gotta have something bigger and better than that. Life is so unpredictable. Life is filled with storms that can shake everyone to the very core of our existence. We can wake up one morning and everything is great, and by that evening, calamity can hit. How many have discovered that the storms of life come whether you are right with God or whether you're wrong with God? Storms happen. I think of this passage of scripture in Psalms chapter, Psalms chapter 62. It says, truly he is my rock. He's my foundation. Truly, he's my rock. And because he's my rock, he's also my salvation. He's what keeps me safe. Not only does he keep me safe, he's this fortress that I can run to. And I love this last phrase that the psalmist says, I will not be shaken. Can anybody in this room identify a time in your life when a situation shook you? Raise your hand if you've been ever shaken in life. If you haven't been shaken at this point, you will be. Life will shake you, and it depends on who's holding you. And I love this concept that it doesn't say that you're not going to experience, you're not going to experience calamity, you're not going to experience anything that's 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 rough. But it goes back to who's your rock, who's your salvation, who's your fortress. In preparation this week, I felt the urgency of the sermon. Not only have I felt the urgency of this sermon, I felt the urgency of this series. I can tell you that, uh, that when you put, put time and effort into something and you're wanting people to grasp it, and I realize I'm going, God, you only you can communicate the truth. Only your Holy Spirit can illuminate. And so I'm saying, God, today, would you go below just our surface listening? How many would say, God, would you go below my surface listening? Because I can think sometimes we can surface of going to Pastor Kevin, I've heard that before, and we can check out. And I want to say, God, would you take us below our surface listening? Would you go to the depth of us? Would you help us to grasp this concept? Because I believe, not only is this sermon, but this series, I believe this series is vital to your life. I believe it's vital to your survivability in 2024. I believe it's vital to not just your survivability, but for you to fulfill your purpose in God in 2024. On the surface, we like the idea of something new. On the surface, we like the idea of something bigger. And in reality, when I think about it across this room, we probably all are, we don't necessarily mind the idea of having to work for something or put effort into something. So we can stretch and we can lengthen, we can stretch our thinking, but can I tell you, probably that's the most vital piece of this sermon is this one today as we come back to where is your strength? Because you can enlarge, you can come up with something new and you can enlarge your tent space and you can actually put your tent up and you can hook everything there. You can stretch it out. You can lengthen your cords. But if you are not stabilizing it somewhere, you will not be sustainable. Your tent will collapse so the statement, the overarching statement today is the stability of your life depends upon your depth in God. Say this with me. The stability of my life depends upon my depth in God. One more time, let's do it. Come on, everybody together. The stability of my life depends upon my depth in God. 
So often we can point to someone else and think that our, our stability is going to be based on them. No, it's based upon your relationship with God. You're walking with him. Today in our culture, society seeks charisma over character. It pursues value sets, excuse me, it values skill sets over spiritual maturity. It values public displays over depth of conviction. It seeks fame and has no interest in humility. It seeks, society craves power, but there's not servanthood. Society wants to be influencers, but they don't want to be influenced. And I think about all these concepts today that if that's who we are, if that's what we are trying to do, can I tell you today, this mindset, these, these areas are someone that's building their lives, their houses, or their society on a sandy foundation, not a rock. Matthew chapter 7, just real quickly before I step into the message. Totally, in my points, excuse me. Matthew chapter seven says, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against, all, beat against the house yet it did not fall because it had its foundation in the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Can I tell you today, we can take pride. Oftentimes, we as Christians will take pride in the fact that, well, I've built my house on the rock. And I go, by principle, yes. But can I tell you, the key is not just the location. The key comes back to who listens to his word and puts it into practice. Today we come and go, no, I built my house on Jesus. He's my stable foundation. And I come back and go, are you doing what he says? Are you putting it into practice? Do you know what he says? This challenge that is here, Pastor Sarah at, at kids, a parent kids thing, she asks this question. She goes, what is common between these two houses? And the answer is, they both faced a storm. Can I tell you that the storms of life are inevitable? The winds will come. This slide here. The winds will come. Everyone faces storms. Can I tell you, storms are guaranteed, but your survival is not. And as we step back to go, are we stable? Are we strong? What is my tent founded in? What does this look like? Am I... Am I are my stakes deep or is it just a nice looking tent? When the winds come and the storms arrive, which they will, will I survive? Today I want to give you four, four points about driving your stakes deeper. Number one, initially we have to be rooted in God. Everyone say rooted. One of the major causes of tree failure is a failing root system. Similarly, sim similarly, it is with us in our root system and if we're not healthy in God. Seasons come. How many know that we're in a, a fall, winter season right now? And can I tell you that regardless of the season, the roots are always doing something on a tree. The roots are doing something. Right now on the trees in your yard, right now on the plants in your yard, even though the tree looks dormant, even though it looks like there's nothing there, even though it might look completely dead, your, your roots are preparing, they're growing and strengthening in preparation for the new season. It's the way God designed them. Can I tell you that regardless of the season you may be in going, God, I'm dead, my, I'm dormant, my fruitless, your root system, if it's in God, God's doing something. God's preparing you for something. If it is from the root system that the tree gets its strength, many times the roots are ignored when in reality they determine the health of your tree. We don't look at our trees in our yard. We don't look at our plants and go, oh, man, I bet they have a gorgeous root system. Man, their root system, man, it is, it's nice. No, we go and look at the tree and go, man, this tree is ugly. What's wrong with this tree? We don't ever think about what the root system is. Can I tell you in our own lives, we can oftentimes stand in front of a mirror or stand in front with our ego and we can look at ourselves and go, oh, look at the fruit on my life. My tree actually looks good. 
But how many know that if your root system is not good, you cannot be good? That's what the Bible says. This picture of this root system of, of a tree, you can see how these roots just go out. We don't see what's underneath the ground, but roots are strong enough to break rocks. Think about, I want you to hear this. Roots are strong enough to break through a rock, but they're delicate enough to absorb water and dissolve minerals as nutrients. And I ask you today, what does your life look like? Are you checking your roots? Paul says in Colossians chapter two, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, as you received a past and present and ongoing, as you received, not just done, but receiving is the verb that is there. Just as you've received Christ as Lord, a continual process, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith. Can I tell you that oftentimes we look at our relationship with God or our salvation as a one-time event? When daily we need to be coming back to going God, saying, God, thank you for salvation. God, today I align myself with you. Because salvation is one aspect, but lordship is daily. Guidance is daily. Lordship is moment by moment. Live your lives in him, rooted in him, built up in him. I ask you today, what are you rooted in? In our society, in your life, what are you rooted in? What have you planted yourself in? What is it that builds you up? Is it someone stroking your ego? Is it a compliment? Or is it God himself that builds you up and gives you strength? Just as roots of a tree and your life and the stakes of a tent are driven down into the earth and not seen, our inner man is not seen, but it needs attention and it needs strengthened. Many times we go, well, no, if I'm looking good on the outside, if I go through the motions, if I become religious and I just do all the right activities, and God goes, I don't want just the right activities. I want the right you. The primary function of a root system is to anchor and to stabilize you. And I ask you, are you what are you rooted in? Is it a source of strength that's going to hold you? Another, another is that it absorbs nutrients and water. Are you anchored in something that is regularly feeding you? Are you going to God once a week? Is it church? Are you opening the Bible for yourself? Are you reading God's word? Are you taking in? Are you strengthening? Are you getting nutrients from God's word? Not only does it absorb, but can I tell you, your root systems store nutrients. They're in preparation of drought seasons. How many have ever had drought seasons spiritually? Dry seasons where you're going, God, can I tell you, if we've taken in, God's helping us store up those things that are there. Jeremiah chapter 17 gives us a picture of a healthy tree because of its healthy roots. It says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep. Everyone say reach deep. Reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. They're not worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. In season, God says, if you stay planted in me, I'm, I guarantee you, you will, you will produce. That's a healthy tree. And I begin to look at my own life. I begin to think about so often, God doesn't just want survival. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to be able to stand in the middle of a storm. God wants you to endure all of that process that is there. Strengthening your stakes involves an intentional effort to deepen your connection with God. Do you have a prayer life? Are you reading God's word daily? Are you worshiping? Are you fellowshipping? Are you reinforcing your spiritual disciplines? Can I tell you a question that I love to ask people and I want someone to ask me? is what is God saying to you today? I don't want to know what God said to me or you yesterday, or two weeks ago, six months ago. Is God saying something fresh in your life? Can I tell you today, you have a divine connection with him that he wants to breathe life into you daily. He wants to give you vibrancy daily. He wants a fresh word in your life daily. It's not just waiting from Sunday to Sunday. It's you and him talking. As you read his word, he wants to communicate something to you. 
It's not conquering a passage. It's not conquering them out of chapters. It's going, what is God's insight into your life from this scripture today? That's deepening your root system. God wants to speak to you. God wants to be in connection with you. Number two, we need to grow in our godly conviction. Strengthening the stakes of our convictions is power. The power of positive thinking won't hold you in the middle of a strong storm. Possibility thinking won't make it. The storm is too great. Theory with no practice will not withstand the storms of life. Religious rock won't hold you in the middle of a violent wind. Sharing your foundation and the platform with Americanized Christianity and false teachers won't survive the hurricane that's coming and that is raging around us. Today, I think about many Christians not judging, but I think about many Christians and they're falling under the storm. They're being, being disillusioned by the storms of culture. And can I tell you, even someone who's strong in God can look at all those things and be dis- disappointed or discouraged, but what holds you is your strong godly convictions. This word conviction is a firmly held belief or opinion. A firmly held belief or opinion. Can I tell you what a conviction is not? A conviction is not a philosophy. A conviction is not an idea. It's a firmly held belief that you grasp hold of. Godly conviction is defined as this. Being so thoroughly convinced that God calls you to his opinion. Everyone say his opinion to his opinion that you take a stand for it regardless of the consequences. Today, I should have asked before I got this far is how many have convictions? And we would have raised our hand and then we would come back and go, how many have godly convictions? And I'd have to come back and go probably, hmm, yeah, hmm. Because I come back and go, I can have, are we so convinced that his call and his opinion is the right one that regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what people might say, regardless of what society might declare about us, we're gonna hold to his opinion and not shift. Can I tell you that Americanized Christianity is blowing with the wind? Their truth moves and sways And can I tell you today, God's word is solid and it's rooted and there's no compromise. And if we're a people with godly conviction, we're going to come back and go, my stake is deep into him and I'm going to do what he says. His opinion is more important than anything else. Acts chapter four, Peter and John on trial and they're being threatened and it says, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. And they called him in again and commanded them not to speak any longer. In verse 19, Peter, said, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? Can I tell you that every single day we get up, we watch the news, we listen to a radio channel, we read an article, and we're confronted with a decision to go, am I going to listen to this or am I going to listen to him? Am I going to do what this says or am I going to do what he says? Abraham Lincoln says, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. As we look at our culture today, we can look at God's word and we can come back and go, well, I don't know. Can I tell you, you better fall on God's side. You better be viewing God's word as always right, not trying to reason it away. Godly conviction has three traits. Number one, godly conviction chooses what God says over what you feel. Feelings change. Can I tell you what God says doesn't always feel good. But what God says always has a goal to make you good. It's not based upon feeling. Godly conviction chooses what God says over what the world says. Can I tell you, your feelings and the world are contradictory to God. Lastly, godly conviction should determine your response to every circumstance. Today, we're confronted by so many things, work ethic, how we're going to talk to somebody, how we're going to live with somebody, how we're going to do whatever, and it calls us back to this thing that our godly conviction is going to determine our response and how we do those things. 
but Pastor Kevin, I don't feel like it, or the world's telling me to da 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 da. What does God's word say? But God, they, but Kevin, they don't deserve my love. What does God's word say? Love your enemies. Third, cultivate character. Cultivate your character. Character is defined as strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described it this way, the excellent excellence of moral beings. When we think about the excellence of an object, he uses this illustration, the excellence of gold is its purity and the excellence of art is its beauty. So the excellence of a man is his character. We think about this concept of going, what is excellent is our character is this proving ground. Persons of character are noted by, for their honesty. Take a quick check in your life. Are you honest? They're noted by their integrity. They're noted by their work ethic. Are you on time? Are you late? Are you working hard when you're working? Sincerity, are you sincere? Do you follow through with a statement of something that you said you will do? We can go on to all these different traits, but probably a person of character is gonna be representative of the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and I forgot one in there or two. A person's character is this sum total of your disposition, which is your personality, your thoughts, your intentions, your desires, and your actions. We think about what makes us in our character, our personality is gonna be involved, our decisions, how we think, what we do, not just, not just when, we're, when we're in front of people, but what's happening behind the scenes. When we talk about this idea of integrity, we need to be living an integrated life where our personality and our thoughts and our intentions are all integrated together. Can I tell you what has happened in our culture today? We're not living an integrity, an integrated life. We're living a disintegrated life. A disintegrated life is one of rot. One that is eating away at all of those things. And today I'm not up here judging you or declaring something over your life. I'm asking you to look inward at your character. As I prepare and as I preach, I have to look at my character, my integrity. I'm not here to judge your integrity. I'm here to judge my integrity according to God. Proverbs 11.3 says this, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their, what? Duplicity. By their double life, by the lack of integration. Their lives are disintegrating because they're holding everything as separate rather than going, no, I am one being. My life is sacred. Who I am is sacred. God's called me to sacredness. That's why he says, be holy as I am holy. He's calling us to a standard, to a level of living. In the early morning hours of April 15th, 1912, in the North Atlantic Ocean, four days into our maiden voyage, from Southampton to New York City, the largest ocean liner in service at that time, Titanic, had an estimated 2,224 people on board when she struck an iceberg. 1,517 lives were lost. It could have been prevented if they would have listened to the reports of the floating icebergs. Some speculate that it was pride in the vessel's indestructibility that brought about this calamity. Today, we can focus on the ship or we can focus on the concept of the iceberg. An iceberg is a reflection of our lives. 10% of an iceberg is seen above the surface. People's perceptions, 90% is unseen below the surface. You can see in this picture here, actual iceberg is 10% is above the surface and the rest of it's below. And all we see is what's above. Can I tell you today what's unseen below the surface is the character, is the real you. We can put on a reputation, we can put on a right behavior in 10% of our life, but if we're not walking with character and integrity, our life is gonna disintegrate. If we can keep it below the surface and people only see what is above. But can I tell you this? That eventually, what you are below the surface is gonna be revealed above the surface. Because you cannot sustain your life on duplicity. The importance of this is that 
We come back to our, my, to our lives and go, God, how do I build my life from the inside out? Can I tell you religious behavior? Build it from the outside in. At least that's what they're thinking. If I act right, then I'll be right. And God says, I want you to be right and then you can act right. I want you to be right and you'll produce the right fruit. Instead, we want to go around and try to hang fruit and grab all the fruit and make our fruit look good. And God's going, it doesn't work that way. Jesus said, you can't go, you white-walled sepulchers, as he said to the Pharisees. You're trying to clean it up on the outside. And really, it has to go to the depth of who we are. John Wooden said this, we need to be more concerned with our character than we are our reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think that you are. Character can be defined as a collection of personality traits within our behavior that shows who we are. Can I tell you today that our character is a display case for Christ? I want you to think about your life. As you behave, as you live, your character is a display case for for Christ. It's not worrying about what people think of me, it's what they think about Christ in me. So often we go about our life going, well, I gotta make sure maintain my maintain my reputation. No, what about maintaining God's reputation? What about representing him in a way that's pleasing? Lastly today, we need to build resilience. Be rooted. Having a godly conviction. Building character. Brings us to resilience in a storm. It's a stake, but I believe that they all lead towards this one. Resilience, the capacity to withstand or to recover quickly from difficulties. This ability to bounce back. What holds a tent in the middle of a storm is the strength of the guidelines to the stakes. That when the winds are blowing, that tent may sway, but it's not going to be lifted. It's going to stand. Just like an oak tree in the middle of a storm It's going to face the winds of life. Today, as we think about this concept, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. This idea in our life that life may happen, but if we're grounded and rooted in God, it's going to bump us over, but we're going to stand back up. And can I tell you, so often in our lives, we get down and we don't have a root system and we stay down. And then we need someone to come pick us up. And can I tell you, the one that picks us up is our stability in God. Who we are in him is what roots us and pulls us back and holds us. We may stay down for a bit. We're not going to, we may bend, but we're not going to break. And can I tell you today that in America, American Christianity, in Kevin's Christianity that has become Americanized, I'm not always resilient like I need to be. How many realize it in your own life? The trials come, and rather than bouncing back, they keep us down, and we're defeated by them. We get disappointed, and we get discouraged, and we lay there licking our wounds, and we feel sorry for ourselves. Resilience is not just beginning the race, but it's enduring and finishing the race. It's not just beginning well, it's finishing well. It's not just getting there, it's, it's not just enduring, it's finishing, coming to completion. Can I tell you that resilience comes from confidence in the guy line? It comes from the confidence of the purpose of what we're doing. Our culture to say, today thinks that our resilience is based upon comfort. If it feels good, yeah, I'm going to pop back. No, can I tell you today that our confidence, that, that our our resilience is based in who we are. It's based in the, in the foundation of our purpose. Proverbs 24, 16 says this, though the righteous fall seven times, they get up again. Though the wind comes, they bounce back. Though circumstances come, they bounce back. Though a sin might sway them, they bounce back. Life in Christ, this foundation, the stability, the meaning, the purpose of the tent is in the stakes. One person describes resilience as a spiritual immune system. Think about that. 
how your immune system fights off a cold or a sickness. This resilience is a spiritual immune system that pulls you back. It builds you back up. You might take a little bit to recover, but you're going to bounce back. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, we do not lose heart. Just in that statement, we do not, why don't they lose heart? Because they're resilient. They know their purpose. Calamity comes, they're beaten, and they're tortured, and they're thrown in prison, and they face sickness, they face a snake bite. Can I tell you what happens? But it says we don't lose heart. Why? Because this down here is what's holding them. He goes on and says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Goes back to point number one. Church, can I tell you today what concerns me, what alarms me, is if you're not rooted in God, you will not be renewed day by day. If you're not taking in from him day by day, you're not going to be renewed by him day by day. It has to be this connection. It goes on, Paul says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Today, not only do I conclude the sermon, but I conclude the sermon series. Praying and asking God, God, do we need to bring this back? Because I really feel that this is so foundational in so many ways. But we've taken a journey. We've talked about the new. We've talked about enlarging. We've talked about stretching and lengthening. We've talked about strengthening, being rooted in God. And I want to give you a passage of scripture that is encouraging and inspiring, but also challenging. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I want to read it out of the Amplified Translation. It says, I can do all things. Ever say all things? I can do all things which he has called me to do. Can I tell you today that God's calling on your life may look a little bit different than the calling on my life, and he may call you to something different than me. God will strengthen me according to what he's called me to do, but God's also going to strengthen you according to what he's called you to do. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me. And I like this, to fulfill his purpose. Can I tell you the strengthening and empowering is not for your purpose, not for your reputation, not for you to look good, not for your tent to be pretty. Your purpose for strength is to fulfill your purpose for him. And I like how this is written. It says, I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. How many have ever tried to be self-sufficient in a situation and you run short? When you're self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency, you never run short. Paul goes on to say, I'm ready for anything and I'm equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. I'm able to bounce back. Why? Because daily I'm being renewed. Daily I'm planted in him. I'm fulfilling his purpose. He's the one that's breathing life into me. It's him that is infusing me with inner strength. Today my challenge to you is this entire series. Go back and listen to it. But for today, I want to ask you, how is your tent withstanding the winds of life? How are you enduring through the process of life? Not in judgment. Are things getting the better of you? Are you down and they're counting you out? Are you bouncing back up? What is the health of your root system? Not in condemnation, but would you look at yourself and go, am I, am I, am I rooted in the right things? Can I tell you, it's a daily self-awareness to go, am I, am I rooting my life in the right things? Am I consuming my life with the right things? Where are you lacking in godly conviction? Are you living in agreement with God? 
Look at your life and your relationships. Look at your job. Look at the situations that you're in. How you dialogue. Are you speaking in, in agreement with God and what he says about things? Where do you need to grow in your personal character? Where is there duplicity? What's below the 90, what's, what's the 90% below the surface? And lastly today, how's your resilience? Are you bouncing back? Can I tell you there've been seasons in my life that I've not bounced back as well. There's been seasons in my life that I've been down and out for a bit. But what's called me back is my purpose in God. If you don't have purpose in God, if you don't know who you are in God, you won't have the ability to bounce back. Stand to your feet this morning as we close. Heavenly Father across this room, God, today there is so much that is in this, in this series, but so much that is in this sermon today. God, would you help us to absorb? Would you help us to put into practice? Would you help us to evaluate? God, today we evaluate for ourselves, but we evaluate for the person that's sitting next to us because our lives impact them. Our decisions impact them. God, we don't just evaluate for me as a solo individual. God, we evaluate our lives today based upon this thing called the body of Christ. And each of us are part of it. And God, when we are not rooted, when we are not living by godly conviction, when we're not living in character, when we're not living in resilience, God, we're impacting the whole. God, today I pray, help us, help us. Would you say that today? God, help me. God, help me. God, help me. God, across this room, you know each area that is most important. Would you pick one of these areas in your life? And would you pinpoint it today as I pray? God, in the name of Jesus. God, as we pinpoint an area, maybe it's all of them, but God, as we pinpoint an area in our life, God, would you help us to align ourselves with you? Help us to grow deeper in you. Help, us to our, help our stakes to go down into you. God, our stability is dependent upon our depth in you. Make us deeper. God, in 2024, take us deeper in you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're here today and you need prayer, our prayer team's coming right now as we close. Would you allow them to pray with you? Remember, there are a lot of events that are happening in the coming weeks. Remember, there's no Connect Group on Wednesday night. It's young adults. And if you filled out a connection card, would you make sure to take it to the welcome booth? We would like to get to know you better. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.